Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Today, a lot of us are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that, a podcast to walk to, something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder. You're welcome to listen to this as you wander around your home or lying on the sofa even, you'll find inspiration is actually everywhere. But if you've got a bit of time, and let's face it, we've all got a bit of time, let's boot up and head out into the street. So greetings, wanderistas, wanderellas, wanderfellas, fellow wanderers all. Welcome to what I'm delighted to discover uh, is the third season of Wonderful. Yay! Pause for wild cheering and applause. Andrew, that's our producer, he's watching me beadily from my iPhone. Applause, please. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, we've got some applause and we've got a dog. I'm, I'm standing. What's the dog called? Uh, Brandy. Brandy. <laughs> Bless him. So Brandy just joined the, the podcast. So, um, how are you? And more specifically, how are you sleeping? How are you sleeping, dear fellow wanderers? And the reason I ask, because I noticed a few months ago that I actually wasn't sleeping so well. I was waking in the night and my mind was racing, mostly with stories um, related to subjects on a lot of our minds, or if it's not on our minds, it's beside our minds or behind the mind, which is to do with, I guess, what would you call it? Life on Earth, uh, the environment sustainability i'm not sure i like that word because it stopped meaning anything but i think it sort of means carry on carrying on living (laughs) in a habitable earth um and despite the fact that i'm quite good with stories actually sort of make my living partly by 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 playing with stories and helping people harness narrative for good i actually found that in the small hours i wasn't able to manage these stories and i was losing sleep so i decided to set off on a bit of a quest, a wandery quest, to meet some people who know the sustainability business from the inside, people who are active, people who are, they might be activists, they might be negotiators, climate negotiators, they might be conveners, they might be uh, philosophers, they might be people that dig holes in the ground, and, and ask them to share with us their way of looking at the world so that we could try a sort of different way of looking at things. Remember, this podcast is all about inspiration on the go. So I went off to find some inspiration and I'm delighted to tell you I found it. Every person you're gonna meet in this season um, was someone I met on my quest and each one of them has got a, an inspiring take on the world. And I wanted to share it with you. And we'll not just share it, only share it, but we will also in true wonderful fashion we'll play with it we'll take an idea from the conversation we had and then we'll turn it into a small experience so we can we can actually um, immerse ourselves in the idea and see where where we can get some value for us sound like a good idea great because that's what we're gonna do so I'd like to introduce you first to the wonderful Gabriel Walker um, appropriate surname right Um, Gabriel is I think it's fair to say an eminent scientist but in case that conjures up images of people in lab coats and sort of doer expressions and 
you know, pince nez stuck on, the, on their nose, uh, banish that. She's a, she's a uh, weather system of energy. Um, and as you'll hear, she's got, she's dealing with serious stuff, but dealing with it in a very, in a very joyful way. Um, she's a natural storyteller and deeply passionate and committed person who's been, who's been climbing into the science of, of climate change for 30 years. So she really knows her, she knows her stuff. Um, and, and actually, like, like all of our guests, she's also uh, willing to learn, as you'll hear. Listen out for, listen out for the woolly pigs. Um, listen out for her, how a scientist like Gabriel uses um, a mirror to look within. Not something you often hear, I don't think, from the scientific community. And finally, I love her description of herself as a woo-woo scientist. Um, listen on, I think that'll make lots of sense to you as well. So here she is, with no further ado, the brilliant Gabriel Walker. From school to here, 30 seconds, how did Gabe, Gabriel get from school, infant school, to here? <laughs> In 30 Go. seconds. Okay. Well, 30 seconds or less. Very, very simple. First of all, uh, everyone tried to make me specialise. They all said you have to choose one thing and not another thing, right? So my entire so-called academic career was an exercise in sort of musical chairs where I tried to lie on all the subjects. They took away one chair and I lay on all the other ones. So you have to choose. You have to, it, can't be, it has to be arts or sciences. It has to be humanities or it has to be music. And I wanted it all. And that actually brought me in the end to climate change because if it, first of all, by fascination, it goes into your head. Like if you don't understand all of it, you don't understand any of it. You have to know how the atmosphere and the ice and the oceans and everything connect together, right? And then you have to understand how all the different bits of the economy connect together and all the different players and how everything happens. It's fascinating, it's in your head. Then it goes in your heart, it's exciting. And then it goes in your gut and you realize how serious it is yeah. and you have to do something about it. And then it yeah. goes in your soul. Yeah. And when it's in your soul, there is no power on God's earth that will get it back out again. Yeah. You're stuck with it, and that's 30 seconds. What is, what, what is it like when you run into stories of despair, hope, it's too late, it's, it's, it's too expensive, da-da-da? Tell us about the story you're, you're involved in at the moment. Tell us a bit about removals and then the stories that you run up against. Well, in a way, first of all, I'd say that the reason I've, I've, I've come to this place is, is also because I'm a fundamentally a storyteller and I can see when the stories are getting broken. So I started off, I did a whole series of, of talks for for um, the Hay Festival. They, they, they asked, they would, it was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation and it was the 30th anniversary of the Hay Festival, the literary festival. So they decided that they'd ask 30 writers to reform something and they asked me to reform climate change. And I sat around thinking, what do we need to reform? It's like we should do, and I realised we needed to reform the story. Beautiful. So I actually showed at the beginning of that talk, I showed a video that said, it's, a, it's disaster apocalypse, uh, politicians are doing nothing, businesses are doing nothing, you have to try and make yourself thoroughly miserable, stop flying, stop driving, stop eating meat, turn down your thermostat and even then it's probably too late, please spread this message. Just stay indoors yeah, and stop yeah. living! And then I, I broadcast it and people clapped, yeah, yeah, and I said, hands up, how many of you recognise this story? Mm. And they all put their hands up. And they said, hands up, how many of you feel thoroughly miserable now? And they looked very surprised, and they put their hands up. And I said, I have good news for you. Most of that story is wrong. Mm. And then they all went. <laughs> and that's the power of it. Mm. Because then I can say to them, look, the apocalypse is real. Mm. 
It's not too late to do something about it. Mm. There are politicians that are acting. There are businesses that are acting. If we actually put ourselves in these silos and say we can't work with them, then we're in trouble. Mm. But if we do the opposite of that, and here's how it can work. Mm. And then you have everybody leaning into it. It's magic. And you can tell that same story to an oil and gas company and to the Hay Festival and to Greenpeace. And people get behind it. It's a, it's a thirst for a better story, isn't it? It's, it's a thirst for a better story, and it's a thirst for solidarity. Oh. There's this, I think there's two competing forces. There's the one that says, uh, that's, that's, that's dividing, is I have to be in my tribe and I have to find an enemy, I have to find someone to blame. And the other one is this desire for connection, to feel like you're part of something. Mm. And all the stories so far, most of the stories so far in climate, have been about the tribe and finding someone to blame, mm. the saints and sinners. I'm so tired of it. Mm. Mm. But the stories that can have the real power for us to shape the future are the ones that say, this is how we do it together. Mm. We're in it together. Mm. We're part of something. We have a human need to do that as well. And that's where you fit in and that's where you... That's what I've been experiencing mm. this week at COP. It's been astonishing, exhausting, mm. but astonishing. I've been going around telling my story and just everybody wants to pile, pile in. in. So tell, to give us an example because... It must be exhausting, but you don't seem to have a shortage of energy. <laughs> so it feeds you. Where, where does it, let, to take us through it, you've been in the corridors of power. You've got a story. Let, tell us a little bit about removals. <clears throat> okay. What's the removal story removals. in a, in, in in a nutshell? So, so first of all, I mean, I've been working on climate change for nearly 30 years. And I found out a little while ago, a couple of years ago, something that really shocked me. And it became worse and worse until the beginning of this year, I realised I had to do something about it. And what I found out that shocked me was... We cannot now get down to net zero by 2050, this target that we're trying to get to. We can't stay below 1.5 degrees, this target we're trying to get to, with all the means that we're currently trying. We have left it too late. In addition to everything else that we do, we're going to have to take carbon dioxide, the pollutant that's causing all this problem, back out of the sky and put it somewhere safe. And we're going to have to do a lot. So all the scenarios that are starting to come out are saying that we will need billions of tonnes billions of tonnes of CO2 taken out of the sky in the next couple of decades. So at the moment, we're doing it for maybe a million or two. So that's a real problem. And that really worried me. And then I started thinking about it and realising there's a much more heartening reason why if we get behind carbon removals taking the CO2 back out of the sky, we can actually not just stop the problem getting worse, we can start to make it better. We can actually clean up our own mess. And we can give the world a chance to heal. And that is just a magical story. So thinking about carbon removals, I was like, okay, well, what is this thing? How do you do it? And you, know, you talk to people about it, and some people say, oh, yeah, trees. I love trees. And other people say, oh, yeah, big machines. No, I don't like big machines. Big futuristic machines, techno wizards. They're all the crazy people. They don't want to fix nature. They just want to, you know, and it just goes, whoa, off we go again. Another this versus that, us versus them. And, uh, you know, nature versus tech, green versus chrome. And then there's also this issue about, um, oh, if you do removals, then you won't do the reductions. So you can't do removals. And it's like, can we please grow up and know that we have to do both? My mum was always telling me when I was a kid. And I'd go, like, which is better, mine or my brother's? And she'd say, I think they're both nice. No, but which is better? <laughs> and right now, we can't do it without both. So those two things, the kind of re reductions versus removals and the green versus chrome. That's beautiful. It's, yeah. just, it's just nonsense, actually. Almost every, it turns out, you can still get this, you can store carbon in the earth, you can store it in trees, you can store it in soils, you can store it in ocean chemistry, you can store it in buildings, you can store it in clothes, 
You can store it in rocks, you can store it in geological formations deep underground and probably other places we haven't thought of yet. And that means we can take it back out of the sky and it's store it in all these places yeah. and actually fix the problem. How cool yeah. is that? This idea of we can do both. So you run up against the story, the either or yeah, story. all the time. Yeah. And not just that, but also the saints and sinners story, the good guys and the bad guys. And, and the thing is that, you know, definitely there are people who have behaved egregiously throughout this whole process of, of how we've got to where we are on climate change. And there are some people who have deliberately tried to stop any progress that's been happening. But, and, and, and a few of those are actually, I think, evil. But relatively few. It's, it's, I think it's surprisingly few people wake up in the morning thinking, what can I destroy today? And many of the rest of them are kind of stuck in this pattern where either the system around them kind of forces them or encourages them or incentivizes them, or they just, they, 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 they don't see it because they're not talking to people who think anywhere differently from the way that they do. Mm. So the magic of it is when you can connect them, you can use stories to connect them to people who don't think the way that they do in a way that they enjoy, mm. then you know, you can make them feel safe enough to feel comfortable enough mm. for long enough that they start to go, maybe it could be different. Mm. And the energy that releases, instead of it being <laughs> or painting people into a corner. You know, I, work, I, I will work with more or less everybody. Not absolutely everybody. And I have to believe that there's some kind of a, um, a, a, a integrity in what, what, what they want to try and do, that they actually genuinely want to do something and change. Um, but, but having said that, you know, like with some of the big companies I've worked with, they're full of engineers who are problem solvers. Mm. And they're dying to get at this and they can't see how. Mm. And so if you, can find, if you can find a story that means that the, the, the chief executives and the executive committee can actually figure out a way to shift the strategy and it works with a story that works with the shareholders and you can release that energy and get that delivery arm then you've got a really powerful force for change. It's, it's I hadn't thought about it till now, but think of the so many stories, built into stories, this idea is you don't get to the, see the Wizard of Oz unless you go with friends. Right. And that you get these sort of buddy movies and these stories with teams. Essentially what I think you're saying is this is a story that's big enough we can all play our part. Exactly. The engineer's got the part, the poet's got the part, the dancer's got the part, Absolutely. and so on and so forth. And the thing that maybe the ego thing you hear about is that that people think that they're passionate, that they have the right single answer. I think it's a combination of things. So first of all, it's, you know, it's people who say, it's my answer and not yours, and it must be my answer. But I think one of the reasons it becomes so intense and polarised is it, it, it's a reaction to fear. Mm. So there's a fear of this thing, a very reasonable fear. This is absolutely disastrous. If we let it happen, it's really, that apocalyptic narrative is actually getting closer and closer to being true. And, and so that fear means you, you get into that state where you have to control. And also you kind of want someone to blame so you don't feel bad about yourself. So if, if I can say, well, it's not my fault, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their yes, fault. There's yes, a brilliant song in, in, in uh, Into the Woods uh, by Stephen Sondheim yeah. where they're all trying to figure out whose fault it is that the, that the giants come along. Well, then it's your fault. Well, then it's her fault. But she's <laughs> the one who did that. Well, it's, the, it's, it's one of my favourite songs yeah. from, uh, um, from his work because it just, it just so shows what happens, how disastrously it goes wrong, if that's all you can think. But it's natural, it's human. It's human. Talking of human, maybe my last question, the last one that I can think of, and then we'll just, we'll just riff, um, you seem a pretty buoyant uh, person with loads of energy and I think I am professionally that as well but I do have my pro private moments of I think despair is a bit too strong words but I think even Obama was talking about his dystopian dreams of dystopia 
if and when that happens to you, how do you refine your way into being, you know, being the Gabriel that we can see here that mm. you know, is active and making a difference? Mm. Uh, there's t two ways, two classic ways. And, and, and uh, I learned actually much more about these. Last year, in the middle of lockdown, when everything was going so crazy, I walked the Camino de Santiago oh, in Spain, wow. uh, 900 kilometers. And it was, it was an extraordinary experience. The walking was the least of it. And it helped me realize and actually uh, uh, name the thing that I used to get that energy and, and actually reinforce it. And there's two things. One of them is you go inside. Mm. You go to the place inside where you can feel the, 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 who you are. Mm. And the other is you go outside to the friends around. I, I started walking the Camino de Santiago going, I walk alone. Yes. I'm not going to, I'm not here for that. I'm not here for, and then by the end of it, I had walking with people who, will be friends for life, who helped me hold up a mirror to myself. Mm. And when I looked into the mirror and could go deeper, mm. it's, it's, it's a, a loving mirror mm. is the most wonderful thing that anyone can ever give you. Mm. And if you look into it, you find a source of strength and power and energy and love that is really spectacular. Mm. And I'm a scientist. I ended up being a scientist, and so I'm talking woo-woo now. But it's, it really works. You're you a woo-woo scientist. I'm a woo-woo scientist. You go inside, and you find that sense of who you are, and you go outside to have the people who help you find that. And when you do that, you get to see the Wizard of Oz and you find out so twitching, twitching curtain, there's nothing behind it. So the urgency that one often feels, I could imagine some, well, someone's story is, Gabriel, don't waste time going inside. There's lots to fix in the world outside. But what I hear you say is you can't do can't, the one without the other. You can't do the one without the other. You absolutely have to have both. And I've learned that again and again and again. And now finally the message seems to be going in. I've got a story for you. Tell me. Because, you know, thinking about, thinking about the green versus chrome thing and thinking about the reductions versus removals and nature. And, um, the thing that helped me get around that is I was walking in the Scottish Highlands in, um, in the uh, summer in May this year. I was walking for two weeks and I started in Glasgow. And I remember that there was this place on the Isle of Mull that someone had told me about where they were doing some kind of carbon removals things. And I called and said, can I come visit? So I spent a day with them. The first thing we did was we went and looked at these woolly pigs that he had. Hey, piggies, he said. And these woolly pigs, they were awesome. They were great big and they were gorgeous, he said, scratching their heads and stuff. It's like, why have you got this? Why have you brought me here? Well, the pigs are doing something that, that apparently it's the closest you can get to an, an, a native wild boar without having to get a dangerous animal's license. And so that's why it's woolly pigs and they are gorgeous. So what they do is this head-high bracken because there's been selective grazing, so there's bracken everywhere. So the pigs go along and take all that out. And then the seed bank can come to the surface, so native trees can start to grow and take up carbon, right? That's item one on the island well. The second thing is that the planting trees, right? So the planting trees are native broadly, so they're actually contributing to biodiversity as well as sucking up carbon so far, so natural. But they also have machines. Mm. So they've got a machine that's taking off cutting from wood, and it's burning it, pyrolyzing it so the carbon gets locked up in it. You can put it in soils, you can improve the quality of the soils, it's indigenous wisdom, it's tech, it's nature, in one seed package. And then they've also got machines that are grinding up special rock that you can spread on fields that take, you know what, all of it, all in one beautiful place. And that, you, you said you need to feel hope. Yeah. I sat on that hillside and I looked at the pigs rudely and I looked at the trees growing and I looked at the machines getting ready and I felt hope. Yeah. That's how we're going to do it. We're not just going to get to net zero, we're going to fix this, we're going to heal the climate. Wow. So wow, Greg Gabriel Walker, right? Whew. I actually, I remember, and, and Andrew will back me up on this, 
Um, at the end of our conversation, I literally needed to lie down. <laughs> My head was buzzing, popping with ideas. And one of the ideas that, that stayed with me, absolutely at the front of my mind, is this notion green and chrome. Not green or chrome, but green and chrome. That kind of very, it's, it's a kind of non-dual approach. It's not either or, but both and, which I think is very Gabriel. Um, and I think that's important because I know I fall into this notion that natural means stuff that's green, stuff that's out there. Um, the natural world is kind of sort of over there somewhere. We're not necessarily part of it. But also that man-made or uh, technological things are somehow inimical. They're somehow anti-natural. Anti and I... I don't think that's true. I mean, I wouldn't be able to talk to you now if it wasn't for a bit of technology and, of course, Andrew's help. But um, this combination, this idea that the future is this combination of the, of the natural and the made world, I think is really exciting. And with that in mind, I thought we could do a little, uh, have a little experience together, as we, as we, as we always do, wonderful, um, for the next 10 minutes. So what I'm going to do is... Uh, give you a little instruction and then invite you to go for a wander and I'll do the same thing. Spend about 10 minutes and at the end of it, restart the podcast and we can uh, reflect on what just happened. So here's an idea. We can call this one green and chrome. What I'd love you to do, and I'm going to do it alongside you in parallel, is go for a bit of a wander. Remember, let your, let your feet take your brain for a walk. So sort of follow your intuition, let, you, let your feet get you, let you get lost and find answers maybe. Um, and as you wander, um, start to notice things that you wouldn't necessarily think belong to the natural world. It could be, a, I don't know, in my case, there's, a, there's some metalwork over there, and uh, well, there's a bench that I'm sitting on, and there's the, the, the Nikes that just went past. I know we're not getting sponsorship, but it is what it is. Um, and I want you to imagine that those inanimate objects are animates that they are every bit as alive as a tree or a bush or a bird and not only that but they have a message for you they have a they want to have a conversation um, just and just allow yourself to uh, entertain the possibility that these animate inanimate objects can talk yeah have uh, you know numerous nursery rhymes and fairy stories allow that so why not why can't we just open ourselves up to that possibility and and just if they have a message for you just notice what that message might be it's as simple as that and if they if they if they don't as it were speak you might necessarily nevertheless notice their their, their sort of personality their their the what is their what's their character if you like see what that does to your head and body so off we go then green and chrome let's go off into a world where everything's alive and everything is wanting to be your creative buddy let's see what happens so ready off we go starting with a few breaths because breathing's good just connecting with the ground beneath our feet out of our heads into our feet always good okay Follow that jogger.
So, welcome back, um, Wanda Resort. Um, wow. Well, both Andrew and I, our producer, did that um, in parallel at the same time, simultaneously, um, along with you. And we both had very strong, <laughs> immediate uh, res results, if you like. Um, so for me, what happened was, um, just as I was setting off my walk, I met a, a creature, a little puppy called Mabel and who, uh, despite the owner wanting her not to, jumped all over me and left mud, muddy paws. Um, and as soon as Mabel had gone, I looked around and I saw a post that had the, the number 12 on it. And it and every other inanim inanimate thing around me had Mabel quality. That's to say, it, it had strong intention. And just as Mabel was trying to be as doggy as Mabel could be, so the post seemed to have an intention. It wanted to tell me the number 12. It wasn't just sitting there passively. It was saying, look, at, look, here's the number. It was informing me. Then I looked at the bench where I'd been doing this podcast and, and the bench had seemed to be super willing to serve. It wants to do its function. And everywhere I looked, um, you know, down at my shoes, um, at the umbrella, at even passing cars, they had this quality of rightness about them, and if, it sounds strange, but service. They ex wanted to fulfill their function and to serve life, which was really nice. Suddenly, the hostility that I sometimes feel towards man-made objects just evaporated, and we were in this together. It's interesting. Also, it, it makes me think that the way forward is to fall in love with the environment, the whole environment, and not to think of the environment just as the green, sort of uh, traditionally natural bit, but the environment, everything that's around us, to appreciate it, um, you know, maybe we'd waste less. Um, but anyway, that was you know, seeing the whole environment as something that you can appreciate, even even the stuff that your mind doesn't like very much, but to appreciate it. Uh, certainly changed my feeling uh, inside. I feel more, uh, more in love with life, I think. Yeah. I don't know how it was for you, but let, let us know. Um, we'd love to hear. We always love to hear when you send us your tales of um, how you're using these experiences in your own life. And you can find details of how to do that in the notes. Um, is it really time for this episode to end? Yes, says Andrew, drawing a mind knife across his throat. It's time to end. <laughs> So for now, thank you so much for wandering with us in this first of season three. Um, keep your eyes open, there's, there's, there's more to come. Um, meanwhile, keep wandering, uh, keep um, following your feet, um, and keep it wonderful. See you soon for some more inspiration on the go. Bye! 
You can find out more about these mindful walking techniques at streetwisdom.org, a global non-profit founded by David Pearl. Street Wisdom is an everyday creative practice you use as you walk to help you unblock your mind to find clarity and inspiration. Why not follow us at streetwisdom underscore for free guided in-person and online workshops. You got it. Walking workshops. You can also download our audio guides on Spotify. Just search for Street Wisdom. Happy wandering.